Lesbians speaking. Lesbian and she's speaking. Lesbian speaking may contain adult content and is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to the special edition of Lesbian Speaking Podcast. Thank you everyone for being here. I was going to have Peyton Brown on, as you know, and we were going to have a respectful discussion uh, as opposed to the recent interview that he had. And he canceled. I can't blame him. I'm pretty sure there is a lot of stress factors that are happening about that right now. So peace to you, Peyton. I hope everything's okay. And I would love for you to reach out when you're capable of speaking and we can have a very uh, respectful conversation about things. Now, as promised in this episode, I'm going to get in what brought me to watching Sister Wives in the first place, and it'll go a little bit into, you know, things that I've talked about here and there on lives or on my podcast before about family history and such, but maybe more of a deep dive. Before we get into that, I'm going to do a little bit of house cleaning, Mm, house cleaning, the fun stuff. Actually, there is fun stuff. I'm going to give a big shout out to my new supporters. I'm going to list all of them off. That's right. Jill. Melissa, Mindy, Jennifer, J-Bell, Katie, Kathleen Rose, Terry, Shawnee, Julie, Pamela, and Courtney. I hope I got you all. That was a big list. You guys, thank you so much for signing up on my Patreon. Your support is amazing. It's going to help keep the bills and keep this podcast running. If you want to help this podcast out, make sure you go to patreon.com forward slash lesbian speaking. That's me. I'll have a link in here too. Speaking of links, uh, I'm going to plug this in here too. Rakuten, if you haven't signed up and gotten your $30 cash back on your first purchase of $30 or more, check it out. I'm going to have that link in here as well. Rakuten is an amazing site and app that I use for all of my online purchases. I get cash back every quarter they send me money back. I'm not going to promote something that I don't believe in. Go check it out. Rakuten, get your $30 cash back free. And I'm going to have other links for you to check out other websites and products as well. So you guys, I got some amazing deals for you. I'm going to share it. You can take advantage. Now that we got that part out of the way, let's get into the meat and bones. Why did I get into Sister Wives? So I very much was interested in the show Big Love. Uh, When that came out, to me, it was like, wow, this whole new world of the sister wives. I I had seen the documentaries previously of, you know, these men with all these wives. And there were things that I heard through my mom doing genealogy um, on my dad's side of the family that maybe possibly had sister wives going on. Uh, Of course, they don't really talk about those things on paper, do they? So, Um, with that, I, I just, all of these little blurbs of information, I'm like, let's put it all together and let's see what this world can really be like. And I feel like big love. I was like, you know what, if it was like this until they got into all that crazy drama stuff, but it was a TV show. So they had to do all that crazy. Anyways, if it was really like that, where there's these homes that live together and they had this shared yard and they came for this comment and he didn't have to, you know, go from here to here to here, you know? And, and it was like, that actually seems like it could work. It actually seems like it, if they weren't in it thinking that, 
women were less or this, you know, like this absolute not patriarchal type situation. Okay. And when Sister Wipes came on, I was like, oh my gosh, it's like big love in real life. The way that we were introduced in season one was that you had very strong, independent women in these relationships, in this relationship in particular, and that Cody had very much supported and loved each of his wives for the talents that they had and what they brought to the table for the relationship, and that they could decide what path it was that they wanted to take for themselves. Mary wanted to go back to school. Uh, Janelle was the breadwinner of the family. Christine took care of the kids. And Cody did his sales and drove fancy cars, but whatever. So, <laughs> uh, and the kids all seemed to, uh, on that first, first season, first episode, the kids all seemed to really love each one of the parents equally and... And, and loved the role that each one of them played. And, and they had a very whimsical, playful show to it. And you're like, okay, maybe this is something that can actually work. Maybe you can convince me that a man can have multiple wives and everybody was just super happy about it, right? I mean, as a lesbian, I could completely understand not wanting a man in your life every day. <laughs> Sorry, I had to put that out there. Uh, so with that being said, um, let's go a little bit back into my family history and things. And you know what? I did get that uh, DNA test that people get, right? I'm not going to advertise them because they're not paying me. Um, <laughs> but let me go back and read through a little bit of my DNA history. Just so you get a little bit of understanding. And these are things that my mom had learned in genealogy in the research that she did. And thankful that she did. But also it kind of validated what she found on the records. So going back to 1700, oh my gosh. Uh, English, German, and Scots-Irish immigrants immigrated to those regions um, uh, of the Pennsylvanias, we should say. Um they had a zeal for education, civic order, and Christian evangelism. So already in 1700, they were they were going to areas uh, to create an earthly version of the kingdom of God. So they were already saying, we don't want to have this belief system on this trail. We want to go on and find something else. And that's important to think about in history is that so many times people had migrated because they didn't feel like they were allowed to practice what they believed, right? And what we're trying to do here in the U.S. is we're trying to create a country where everybody is so safe and practicing what they believe, but we keep faltering on that because Christianity takes over everything, right? I mean, let's be real. Um, look, if you're Christian, no, hey, I'm just saying it is uh, a religion that has completely, completely owned the U.S. So, to say that we aren't a Christian country would be ridiculous. And let's see. Uh, learning new ways, new land. I'm reading through this as we go. Um, we're talking about typical meals were corn, corn cakes, and stews. Um, I do love a good stew, though. I mean, let's be real. Uh, despite frequent and violent conflicts between the settlers and indigenous peoples, the group sometimes form mutually beneficial relationships, as we know. 
Um, so this is basically talking about the, the normal move of the settlers. So they came because they wanted to follow their belief system, and then they had to figure out the, the law of the land, right? Um, so here it is. Um, Yankees tended to move as entire families or religious communities, which in, in the case of my family history was that they did move in religious communities. Uh, the American Revolution comes along 1775 at states. Well, not 75, but this is the, it's in 25-year block spans. Um, let's see. Then we have that in Yankee merchants, Virginian landholders, in anti-authoritarian Scott-Irish gathered support for military-backed independence movement. So, um... British loyalists fled to Canada or Great Britain when the colonies won the war and post-war economic hardships. That's what uh, got some people to move westward were the hardships after that. Um, let's see. Oh, and that talks about the treaties. We took land because of those messed up treaties. That was so wrong. Uh, let's see. Revivals and new religions. Uh, following the American Revolution, the new nation underwent several Protestant revivals, uh, which is very important. Again, now we're talking about change in religion. Um, let's see. Revivals often prompted acts such as speaking in unknown tongues, prophesying, uh, seeing visions, or personal witness through prayer, which is something that you see a lot in the, quote, Bible Belt, right? Um that you saw a lot back in the day. But what's really important is uh, in the Western New York for growth, new religions practiced by early Christians, one of those religions was led by Joseph Smith, who founded a group that came to be called the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, commonly known as Mormons. Uh, their preferred name is Latter-day Saints or LDS. So yes, this is in my DNA history, this beginnings of the church. Um, now, I don't know who I'm related to in that. No idea. Uh, we know that there was a lot of people created in that time. So I could be any one of the million cousins. Let's be real. I mean, let's even take a look at the Brown family and how many relations they have. Uh, Robin was Cody's cousin's wife. David and Cody are cousins. So when we talk about, oh, they're Jessup's, well, technically Cody's a Jessup. Uh, then Christine... Uh, as second cousins to somebody, uh, Cody, I, I would have to go back and look at all this, but they're all related in some way, shape or form. Let's be real. They're all related in some way, shape or form. Um, so let's talk about the exodus to the Salt Lake Valley. Uh, persecution followed the LDS as they moved from New York to Ohio, then Missouri. Uh, finally, Illinois in search of religious freedom and economic stability. Uh, friction stemmed from their neighbors, fears about the saints' political power, economic might, uh, and their loyalty to jo Joseph Smith. I think really it was more so. So they're saying that they're coming in with more power. They're they're growing their economic. They're getting all of the money, and everybody's just following Joseph Smith. And really, I think what they're trying to say is. He's becoming a, a prophet and an authoritative, authoritative figure who is able to gather funds and funds grow power, right? And so they were scared because they have people of a different belief system who are growing power. So what do you do at that point? You push them out. 
you push them out. Um, so here, none of this is speaking towards they didn't they didn't believe in what they were doing. They didn't you, you, any of this. They're saying, oh, they're getting powerful. We need to get rid of them. That kind of that kind of a thought process. Uh, this is, of course, according to DNA history. So, um, let's see. 1844, vigilantes assassinated Joseph Smith and threatened further violence against LDS in Illinois if they do not leave the region. Under the leadership of Brigham Young, who we all know, most saints move west to settle to the Great Basin. Despite the turmoil, missionary efforts continued and coverts immigrated to the American West from the eastern U.S. and Europe. Uh, settlements in the desert. LDS practiced plural marriage in secret in Nauvoo. Nauvoo? You guys will pronounce that town better, huh? Area? Town? Area? I don't know what it is. Nauvoo. It's a place. Uh, but began practicing plural marriage publicly in 1852. Polygamy helped strengthen communities by multiplying family connections and increasing the population. Now, um, uh, polygamy was practiced before the settlement in the desert. It's important to know that. Uh, we ha I, I would need my mom's help on this. I kind of wish she was, she was on here speaking with me. Um, we had it in family record. I think it was in Missouri where we had a 93 year old marrying a 14 year old. And that was like his fifth wife on record. Uh, it didn't state that all of them had passed from what I understand. Um, so we're going to have to assume that he was practicing polygamy and 93 year and 14 year shows that they were doing the whole fixed and arranged marriage, which is kind of kind of, it's so gross. That's gross. You guys, it's gross that you can practice polygamy all you want to, but don't force people to get married. That's not, that love could be divided. <laughs> um, Okay, so um, polygamy helps strengthen communities by multiplying family connections and increasing the population. So it's very important to think about that. It's like with Quiverful, right? The more people you make, the more believers you're going to have because you're creating your believers. That's what it boils down to. Think about it that way. You're creating your believers. So, um while most families were monogamous, many local and global church leaders were polygamous, and polygamy shaped the public perception of Latter-day Saints across the globe, uh, which is so true. Okay, I guess I should. I'm reading from this. I should cite my... This is from Ancestry.com. Okay, I'm going to cite it since I'm reading from it. I have to because I'm on a podcast. So it is from Ancestry.com. Um so back to what we were talking about. So the, let's see, 1860s saints began to colonize Idaho uh, in earnest, starting with the border of the Bear Lakes areas. These close-knit communities, both Latter-day Saints and non-Latter-day Saints, often excluded their neighbors politically, economically, and socially, which drove wedges between groups. So essentially they're coming in and taking over an area is what's happening. And they're dividing the neighbors. Uh, you know, it's like a, it's like if you have a whole new political system coming in and taking over. That's really essentially what a new religion coming in is like. And it is going to create rifts. There's going to be people who are like, ooh, a new belief system. Let's go there. And people are like, what are you doing? That is not how we grew up. So 
That's what we're thinking about there. The migration. The migration slowed in 1890s. Uh, so primarily it was 1825 to 1890s is when the migration happened to these areas of these folks. And they had a high concentration of skilled workers, and which we know to this day, uh, it, they have their own communities, that everything that they need. They have their own skilled workers, their own doctors, their own teachers. They're, so um, they are very self-sufficient. And I think that's very important is they do teach that within their religion that you should be able to sustain your own community. And I, I think that has a lot to do with the tithing and stuff like that is you have to be able to to give to get. But they do actually give back. And I've witnessed that myself um, many times where they do they do actually show up for their communities and their members. But they are also very inclusive in that way as well. Um, when the church began to encourage foreign converts, I should say they're inclusive from what I've seen. I'm, I'm going to go back from what I have witnessed in my life. Uh, okay, so when the church began to encourage foreign converts to remain in their home countries, colonization of northern Utah and southern Idaho continued and colonies expanded, often at the expense of native communities, which is not unlike any other migration um, within the Americas. So... Uh, in the 1870s, a railroad from Ogden to Montana mines opened the way for population growth in Idaho's upper Snake Valley River. Later, polygamous families from Cache Valley, Utah, fled, mounting federal pressures to establish communities in Cartston, Alberta, Canada. So um, I can't speak to the Canadian. I can speak to the line of Utah, Idaho, and Montana. Uh, very much know that there are uh, LDS families, and we know that there are polygamous families because of the shows that we watch on TV today. Those are things that exist. But I very much know LDS, uh, my family, primarily Idaho and um, Utah, as far as the LDS members. Uh, we have had some close to uh, just naturally moving on out to close to Montana, Wyoming area, things like that. Um, so Utah gained statehood in 1896. So until 1896, they were just one of the new areas that they were, uh, exploring, right. And settling in the new settled land. So, uh, among the requirements to join the union was renouncing the practice of plural marriage, a decision that also affected saints in Idaho and elsewhere. Why, why would they want to remove that? Uh, I'm going to throw my opinion. So um, my opinion is just the same as where I stated that quiverful and polygamy, these belief systems where you have all of these children and you're creating believers. If you have those that are not doing that, you're going to foresee that there's very dangerous future that your belief system is going to be taken over simply because it has less population. And it's one of these slow forms of conquering. We've seen it happen historically where one just, well, let's take the Roman Empire, right? Uh, the Roman Empire was so successful for so long because they had the city behind them. They had monetary force behind them. They had 
better health care. Let's be real. Um, they took better care of its citizens' health. And they also had a very open and free mindset when it came to sexual relations, which meant that there was a lot of babies that were being made. I would think so. Um, you grow in your population, you have this big city, this big force behind you, and you become this great empire. Well, if you see that that might be happening somewhere in your country with folks that you don't want to take over the country, then you're going to try to put a halt to that. And that halt would have been the um, making polygamy not very legal. Uh, and then you would stop them from having all these kids, right? So what happened? They had to make a choice. They had to either continue to practice in secret or they had to move to Canada or Mexico. Um, and then the practice of plural marriage began to decline. And that's where, you know, we see the difference of the LDS and FLDS is because they said, all right, well, I guess we can't do that, but we're going to still believe in our religion. Okay. Um, let's see. LDS became ardent American nationalists participating actively in World War One. So they were still very much patriots of the country. Here was a country who was saying, you need to stop doing things this way, but they still very much held patriotism towards the country, the land, but also uh, being these immigrants fleeing for this religious freedom, although they're still meeting some roadblocks in practicing fully their religious freedom, they still understand that, you know, this country is still allowing them to practice a belief system, regardless of the polygamous part. So, yeah, uh, that's the best way I could put it. I mean, I, I'm not them. I'm just reading into them. <laughs> uh, so getting into 1925 to 1950, we know that there was a Great Depression. We know that there was a world war. Stock market had crashed. Uh, sorry, ooh, I didn't turn my notifications off. That was so rude of me. Um, uh, and... The crash definitely affected Utah and Idaho. I mean, we're talking about, we know what they are today. Imagine how small they were then and how any riff would have caused turmoil. Um, but they did get federal relief programs because of the New Deal and a security plan. I mean, these are things that we see today, and especially with COVID, where we saw that, you know, there was uh, bailouts that would happen we were getting extra money from uh, tax funds, you know, things like that in order to avoid a continued recession. Um, but they also uh, had an LDS church security plan, which provided food and other relief in exchange for labor, which was uh, very much uh, a, a lot of the way that the church will um, work with its members. If you can come help help us build the house, we will feed you. Um, and so that's the positivity about it. When they say that they help their members, they definitely help their members. Again, I'm speaking off of what I've seen. So, uh, and let's see, women were also entering into the workforce at that time. So even LDS women were entering into the workforce at, at the time of the recession in the war. So just like everybody else in the country where these changes are happening. Um, but then they got the GI Bill and they were able to 
uh, buy these homes and go to school. And they were able to build, build up their community and they absolutely took advantage of it. They definitely did. So they're being really smart um, about what they're doing. Uh, they uh, found work at uh, the Air Force Base in Ogden that was built, uh, worked in technology. Um, so we're talking about 1950 to 1975. And I think this, this is where my family starts to get into it. Um, being really big into technology research and development, my family specifically, um, very big in technology. Uh, we're talking about uh, different types types of technological engineers, and I'm I know a lot of people who speak about their families, and they also are uh, a lot into computer sciences and engineering and such. So. And let's see, uh, Utah and Idaho also became more connected because of the uh, uh, federal highway system, which I mean, where I live too here in Spokane also became more connected. So that that's the history um, of basically the migration and how, how the LDS went from polygamy to non-polygamy and had settled into these areas and come to these areas. And through that, the belief system has changed drastically one way and changed drastically another way, meaning that we know we know that there are these compounds out there. We know that there are arranged marriages still happening, uh, that there are places where filming's not allowed. We know, you know, we've all seen it on TV. We've all seen people who've been either kicked out or have have fled or have been saved. And that is a very negative side of it. And that is one of the things that really led me to wanting to watch a family who was nothing like that is because we were taught those stereotypes of the polygamous families that we're not like them. We're not, that's the first thing that we're not like them. We don't do that. We don't do things with children. We don't marry off our kids. We don't, you know, and, and, and that was always tied to the word polygamy always, which is damaging to those who are adults who are, um, practicing this because it's something that they truly believe in and they feel that it's right for them. Now, now that all of that is said, why I began watching it, what the history is on the family through my DNA history, ancestry.com. Also what my mom has also validated on her research. Um, again, this is my dad's side of the family, but my mom just loves genealogy. She's genealogy freak. Um, for she always has been. When I was a kid, we would go sit in the library for hours while she went through microfish. I'd be bored to tears because we didn't have smartphones or iPads, you guys. I had to sit there at the library with books, books. Okay. That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> yeah. The do the Dewey decimal system, right? Okay. Um, anyways, now let's get on to sister wives. That's right. Let's go on. I'm going to take a drink here. So pause for a second. 
All right. So getting into the history of what we know and what, what, what it is today. So when we look at a compound, right, we think absolute abuse is happening there. And when we open up and we saw the Brown family, we're like, oh, look, they're doing it right. They're going to be a healthy family. And what we learned is not so much. Uh, so uh, Mary, growing up in a polygamous family, she basically seems to give off that vibe that I'm fulfilling a destiny. I'm doing what I have to do because that's what I've been taught and told. Uh, then Janelle. Janelle was married to Mary's brother and... She was friends with the family for a long time before she finally agreed to get married. I feel like she's one of those, um, I guess this could work. Um, <laughs> honestly, uh, she just goes with the flow way too much. And Janelle, stop doing that and do for you. Stop going with the flow. Live your life for you, girl. Do it. Uh, and then you have Christine coming along. She was raised polygamous. Her grandfather was actually the one who founded the AUB which is the belief system that they follow. And even Cody says now he agrees that I married her because she was church royalty in the AUB, which is disgusting. Um, don't marry somebody for clout. That's just bullshit. That's not what marriage is for. And he is he has done exactly what he said that he came on the show not to do. He came on the show to validate polygamy. And with that statement right there, he just disvalidate what is the term non unvalidated it unvalidated it um and he proved exactly what it was we were trying to say is you guys aren't marrying for love you're marrying for position in the church okay dude you just prove yourself wrong here all right so then um then we have Robin coming in. She was raised polygamous said that she wanted David to be polygamous but they couldn't they just never jumped for it for whatever reason i there's a lot of public opinion out there that says uh women just couldn't live with her so could be true could be true because the browns that we had met were this happy copacetic family who are living in one big house which is exactly how i would picture a happily married polygamous family to be there were holes in that there was jealousy in that i feel like the three of them though worked together and communicated these issues together and were very well aware of what it is that they were going through emotionally. And when Robin came in, it was a, we don't talk about those things. We aren't supposed to feel those things. We're supposed to be numb about those things. But I've uh, said quite a few times how I believe that she is a covert narcissist and in that she will take things like jealousy and turn it into control. And manipulation. So um, I think that's really important. She's also learned a lot in her community because I don't believe that she was a prominent member. Uh, she wasn't coming from royalty, things like that. She married into the Jessops because in her mind, the Jessops were the royalty. I, that says a lot about it right there. And yes, uh, they did know each other in different reports prior to um, them actually courting and it, the timeline does look like she agreed to court Cody after they had gotten the deal for the TLC show. I, it looks like it suspiciously like it. So with that being said, uh, that makes Robin an opportunist, uh, 
an absolute opportunist. And the definition of what you would see as a main sister wife, the number one sister wife, the head sister wife, however you want to put it, definitely not the first wife. If she wanted to be a first wife, she would still be with David being wife. But, you know, things apparently happen there that we don't really know about. So, um, yeah, that's like the quick hit background on where they came from and what kind of defines what it is that they're going through now. So Mary and Christine, the ones who are absolutely forced in their minds into this type of a marriage, uh, I absolutely see as Mary doesn't really want a part of this. She'll play her role because she feels like she has to, but she really doesn't want to. And we've seen this for years, this behavior that displays that. Christine truly felt like she had a love and, um, albeit not a perfect love, but she never saw or wanted a perfect love out of polygamy. She just wanted to have a love. And now that she sees that that love was built on, um, something that was not necessarily true or valid, she is stepping away and good for her. She is seeing that she doesn't have to fulfill that destiny. That's not what her entire life is about. So I, I, I just thank you for, for taking care of you, Queen, doing what you need to. And Janelle, now, uh, thankfully with Christine stepping out, there's been a lot that has come up that Janelle has opened her eyes to. She's been taken advantage of. So each one of these women in some way, shape, or form are, are being manipulated or mistreated or uh except I feel like Robin I feel like Robin and Cody are you know the kingpins of that so here was this big journey in order for them to prove that polygamous marriages can be happy and healthy and instead what they did was they showed us that even even the ones who claim to be happy and healthy uh have this this glint of taking advantage of uh of using people for cloud of using people for money and it turned into this big mess and i i honestly wish that it hadn't i would love love to see a healthy polygamist relationship displayed on tv i would love that um because I think that if you you do things with adults in a very healthy and loving manner and you show that and that's your belief system, great, good for you. But the, at any time where you cross a line and unhealthy, it's not good. And I, I have been watching the Seeking Sister Wives as well, and I'm seeing holes in that. Of course, we don't know the people on the same realm that we know the Browns now. But after watching the Browns, I'm like... I'm feeling this already starting to show up, rear its ugly little head. So I just, I, I love to be proven wrong. A polyamory and polygamy to me are not, um, are, are not maintainable in a forever sense. And uh, look, I'm a monogamous, so I have a one-sided view on this. I am all about monogamy. I feel that there is a certain level, and I've said this in a TikTok as well, a certain level of anger and jealousy that is healthy for you because it's giving you that ability to 
go after what it is that you need, what, how you get your needs met. Now, of course, crazy jealousy is not okay. No, that's, you, there's a level of healthiness there. And, uh, to take that and push it aside and pretend that it doesn't exist is so unhealthy. And it's also, it's also devaluing you as a person, especially in the case of Cody, where he's like, but I'm the man, but I'm the man, patriarchal, blah, 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 blah. And uh, Janelle's like, wait a minute, we didn't sign up for that, which they didn't. But at the same time, he was acting like that all along. And he just did it in a very, well, it was your idea kind of a way, which Robin's really good at too, by the way. It's your idea. We'll give you credit for that idea. And then you'll think it's great. Mm -hmm. Sure. Okay, so I'm going to get off of them, uh, those stupid adults, oh, stupid adulty, I'm going to get to the kids. And I know I say the term kids loosely because uh, most of them are adults now, right? <laughs> um, gosh, I'm old. Thinking about how many years I've been watching this show. Uh, one thing that I was going to say, well, there was two things I was going to open up with Peyton is uh, the first scene that we saw him in was Mary um, removing his loose tooth. Um and then I wanted to ask him, this was going to be my big burner question, Peyton. I hope you're out there listening and maybe you can um, make a TikTok and tag me in the answer to this. When Gabe and Garrison were in the parking lot, you had those anthropologists there um, and they were in the parking lot getting into the minivan and Gabe said that Garrison just walked up and slapped him for no reason and you witnessed it. And you said that Gabe actually hit Garrison first. Can you please, can you please verify if you, in fact, were telling the truth? Were you telling the truth? Did you actually see Gabe hit Garrison? Or did you just know Gabe was probably fibbing and stepped up? I just, I burning in my mind, that was going to be, I, for years, I have wondered if you actually saw it. Okay. So anyways, we're going to move on from that. Uh, there has been obviously a lot of, of conversation happening about the kids. And I want, I just, here's what I wanted to say is you have a group of people, a very large group of people who were raised in a belief system that sees straight, cis, um, has hierarchy, a patriarchy that is taught within their Bible. And I don't know how much, quote, church learning they actually did from the Bible because we've, we've only seen bits and pieces of their family church service. Um, but we know that they didn't go to a, quote, historical church for very long in their life. But the, the, the LDS faith does teach that people of color are uh, being punished for whatever and that they are some, I don't, I don't know the exact wording, but they do teach that they are less than. They absolutely teach that they are less than. So when you come from a lifelong lesson of that type of, of problematic thinking, and we're expecting them to boom, be adults, go out into the world and think completely different. That's not fair. Uh, and I'm not condoning that thought process. Clearly, I'm a lesbian. Why would I think that way? I am also a lesbian of a lot of different DNA backgrounds, not just the one that I read off. So why would I think that way? Uh, I don't agree with it whatsoever. 
I also understand that you can't just take somebody who has a belief system and something that they've learned in their entire life and expect them to hear a few stories and completely change their mind. That's not how it works. It takes time. It takes living in the real world. It takes actually stepping out and being in the middle of things for you to see how the world actually works. And these kids are getting their real true first glimpses at real life now because, and I say real life now, you're going to be like, oh, but he's 24. He's been out in the world, blah, blah, blah. Right. But He's also had to very much hide conversations and things in his head because of this reality show. So it, it's completely different ball of wax than what you and I know. Um, well, I shouldn't say the way you and I know. I, I think that what makes me kind of understand what he's going through in regards to that is because, you know, me being in the military, me being a lesbian, I had to be quiet about my truth and things like that. It's uh when you've had to hide things or not talk about things, you understand that they fester in a very completely different way. And that's what the brown kids are going through. And I think that even, you know, Gwen and Leon being as as who they are, are uh, probably having some internal struggle with accepting that themselves. And a lot of that anger that they have towards family members is is because they're probably angry that they were taught that they were you wrong people because of this and that. So um, when I say give a little bit of grace, it's it's up to us to um, politely, respectfully, softly teach the world and not combat the world to see it our way. That gets us nowhere. Absolutely nowhere. Standing up and saying, well, you're just a jerk then. That's just going to shut them down. And I also want to be able to understand their perspective. How did you get there? How did your thought process get you there? What are you gaining out of it for yourself? You know, the, these conversations are so important to have. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, the John Yates interview shut that down. Um, it happened in a very problematic way, and I will not support that uh, interview whatsoever. So... Anyways, I gave you guys the content I said I was going to. So there. No, I'm just kidding. Um, this was actually fun to sit here and talk about this. Even though I'm talking to myself, I feel like I'm looking at each and every one of my supporters. Um, and I feel like you're here in the room with me. And it feels really quaint and beautiful and peaceful. So thank you, everyone, for being here um, and listening. Please drop some comments. Uh you know, whatever platform you're listening on, make sure to give some likes, some comments, go to my Patreon, uh, patreon.com forward slash lesbian speaking. You can either support or you can just drop comments. Um, but I do appreciate everyone's support. This helps the podcast out a lot. And let's see, what do I have tomorrow? I am going to be interviewing Miss Nevada. She is the first openly lesbian, um, Miss Nevada. So, that will be exciting. That uh, interview will be published this hopefully by end of month. And then I have another one scheduled for a few days later with Jamie Zargot. Oh, if I pronounce it wrong, I'm so sorry. Um, she actually was a huge force in California in legalization of marijuana. And she opened up shops and had been very successful. She wrote a book about it. It's amazing. It's called Unconventional. Uh, so I have that coming up for to publish next month in February. And you guys, if you have ideas, 
what you want to talk about on Lesbian Speaking Podcast. It doesn't have to be LGBTQIA. Um, I very much have straight folk on here too. Um, I love to have conversations with people about their world, about their background, things that they've been through. Please reach out to me, Lee at lesbianspeaking.com. That's L-I at lesbianspeaking.com is that email address to reach out to me for your story ideas. And in the meantime, don't forget to check out all the links of the fun stuff that you can get. A little $30 from Rakuten here, $10 from Ibotta there. Uh, Make sure to go check it out. Sign up, get your free money. And until next time, I mean, have a great day. Thanks for listening.